following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Well, we go back to Titus. Look at the book of Titus um, this morning. Um, now, there's a, there's a rule in Bible study that ought to be followed in deciphering and understanding the meaning of biblical texts. And, and that rule is that Scripture interprets Scripture. Um, that should be our first, uh, the first thing that we look at. What does the Bible say about what the Bible is saying? And that principle is what we're going to exercise this morning, looking at a biblical text that fills out the meaning of another biblical text. And this rule is so important in preserving the meaning of text because Scripture can never mean what it never meant. Um, We can go to other texts and other authors to help understand uh, the contemporary meanings of words and even the ancient meanings and original uh, cultural uses. But the best way to interpret the meaning of Scripture is to use Scripture to do that work. And this morning we're going to walk through this uh, together. I do this all the time um, in preparing for preaching, but it seems like now is a good time to be very intentional about it. So our text this morning is Titus chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 1 and 2, and that's page 998 in the Pew Bibles, if that's helpful to you. And up here on the screen, so we have a little technical difficulties with the projector, but we'll get it figured out eventually. So anyway, most of it will be on the screen, but if you have a Bible in front of you, it's um, Titus 3, 1 and 2. But the verses, the verse that uh, those verses interpret for us are actually found in the Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. But before we go any further, we pray and ask for God's help in our work this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning, to be together as a family. We thank you for the warm fellowship that we enjoy here, even in the funny way we express our love for one another. Lord, we uh, pray that your spirit would move among us, that you'd speak to us through your word. Um, that what we talk about would not be my words this morning, um, but your spirit would speak to our hearts, that we'd be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, Philippians 4, there's a lot of, lot of well-known verses in Philippians 4. A lot of uh, inspirational calendars and coffee mugs been printed with Philippians 4 verses on there. Do you know that? You all familiar with Philippians 4? You probably have it memorized, not knowing it. These different words. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Right? That's Philippians 4. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, through prayer and supplication... With thanksgiving, make your request known to God. That's Philippians 4. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, 
if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That's Philippians 4. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's Philippians 4. And those verses are all wonderful. And their popularity, however, pales in comparison to the verse that many here, I'm sure, have adopted as their life verse and have that on all of your coffee mugs and calendars and T-shirts. That's Philippians 4, 5. That's the one. You all know what I mean, right? Do you have it? You know? Philippians 4, 5. You don't have it off the top of your head? Let, let your reasonable be known to all. Yeah. No? You, you guys don't have that. You don't have that one for your life verse? My life verse is Job 4, 1. Then Eliphaz the Temanite replied, this one is second. Let your reasonableness be known to all. I think I might be disobeying it, even just saying that. Well, okay, so maybe letting your reasonableness be known to all is not your life verse. But that's exactly what Paul is concerned with when he writes Titus 3, uh, 1 and 2. In fact, it is the general theme of this entire letter to Titus. Let your reasonableness be known to all. It's the inseparable link between belief and behavior. And that's what we've been talking about for weeks, when our, our practice matches our proclamation. So the Apostle Paul, writing to Titus, who was left behind and ministering on the island of Crete, wrote these words. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. May God's blessing be on his word this morning. Paul had been instructing Titus in a previous chapter of this letter we looked at to remind the people of their church of the churches, of their duties to one another in a side of the church family. But here in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 3, Paul tells Titus to remind the people of their duties towards those outside of the church family. And he'll go on later in chapter 3 to show how these duties towards other people are all grounded in the gospel. And we'll talk about that in the weeks to come. The first two words here in verse 1 have been so helpful to me and think about my own ministry and what I'm able to do now here in this pulpit. (laughs) Paul reminds Titus to remind the people, to remind the people in his care of certain things. And this reminded me that the primary ministry of the pulpit, regardless of what it looks like, A preaching here week after week is a ministry of reminding. I often feel like I'm saying words that you must know. I'm reading things that you must have read. And sometimes I wonder, I feel like sometimes I'm just telling you what you already know. What do we even bother do that for? 
But this is a ministry of reminding. The pulpit is to remind us. Hmm. It's so important to me because so often we walk through the scriptures together, we cover the same ground, and I find myself wondering how to put a new spin on an old word. On the same subject we may have covered just a week or two ago or a month or so ago. And I, I give, um, I say that to give you, uh, the benefit of the doubt that you remember <laughs> what we even talked about last week. But this word say, don't worry about that. Remind people of the truth. Remind yourself of the truth. We need to be reminded. And what did Titus need to remind a people of? They needed to be reminded of their reasonableness. They needed to be reminded of their rights and duties as citizens of God's eternal kingdom. They needed to be reminded that their beliefs and their behavior must match. In our day, I've found that reasonableness and being known for reasonableness is all but lost. You certainly won't see it on TV or on social media, the antithesis of reasonableness. You won't find it often in the political arena. You probably won't even find it driving down the road. But I'm here to remind you this morning that as Christians, as those who by faith belong to Jesus Christ, by our lips and by our lives, we are to stand out from the rest of this world. Not to separate ourselves from the world, but while we're in the world, to not allow the world to squeeze us into its mold. Roman 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. It's hard to imagine that just being known for being reasonable has to do with the transformation of our minds. Because people are not known generally for their reasonableness. But we ought to be. That's what we're here to do today, to work on renewing our minds so that we are no longer conformed to this world and not conformed at all. What I think is funny, speaking of squeeze into molds, is that first century Crete is very much like 21st century America. Or at least Ossipi. First century Crete is a place raucous and rowdy full of political dissenters and liars. To be called a Cretan was to be called a liar and a lazy glutton, right? Not very much like 21st century America, is it? <laughs> and in the midst of that culture and context, the context, in the midst of that culture and context, this flood, these fledgling churches, these baby churches, were reminded to let their reasonableness be known to all. And as we look at these two verses, I'd like to borrow four words from Alistair Begg, 
who taught on these ideas that describe exactly what reasonableness is, in case you've been wondering. And even if you're not wondering, I'm going to tell you them anyway. To describe exactly how reasonableness is lived out. I'm not going to put them in the same order that he did, but if you'd like to hear how he ordered them, you can go to truthforlife.com and listen to his sermon. He's got a funny accent too, so it makes it more entertaining to listen to. There's four words here. The first word is loyalty. The Christian is to be marked by loyalty. Now you might think, well, it's easy. I like the people in our church family can be loyal to them, but that's not what I mean. Remember, Paul is talking about interacting with the rest of the world, how the church is supposed to interact with the world, those outside of the church family. Uh, Jesus said even the Gentiles love those that love them. That's easy. But how we as Christians interact with our government and how those who are in authority are very important in displaying our reasonableness. Paul wrote in verse 1, chapter 3, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient. Now I know for the last few weeks we've been praying about a dangerous intersection where a young lady was killed here not too long ago. And uh, what steps the state has will, is willing to take to make this dangerous intersection less dangerous? And the most noticeable, if you drive through the intersection of Route 28 and Route 171 in uh, Osby Corner, is a radar-detecting light a sign that says speed limit is 40 miles an hour, and it blinks and shows you what your actual speed is. Right? You've seen these before. I'm not the only one. Uh, I hope. Now, these signs have been particularly convicting to me because this is a 40 mile an hour speed limit and there's a dangerous intersection and three people have been killed in the last three years there in this intersection. And I fly right through there. Paul says, be submissive to those in authority. Be obedient. That's simple. <laughs> Following the speed limit is simple. It's a matter of our hearts. Right? How we interact with the law of this land reflects the condition of our heart. Our responsibility is to submit to the authorities that are put in place above us because they've been put in place by God. As Christians, we are citizens of a kingdom that is not of this world, right? But while we are still in this world, we are to exhibit faithful allegiance to the country that we're in. While God is still the ultimate authority over us, we are to be exemplary citizens to our country, loyal to its rules and the law. We should not feel convicted about our behavior when we drive. Because we follow the law, and that's our pattern of behavior. Didn't work so good for me. It's working now. Now I've said it to you. You're going to ask me about it later. So I'm going to keep following the rule. Not because I'm proving my worth to God. That's not it at all. 
We don't earn our God's favor. We can't. But we obey the rules of the land because God has put them in place and called us to be obedient. Paul wrote in Romans 13, 1 through 7, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. We of all people should get citizenship to this country right. It doesn't mean that we agree with everything our rulers say, but it does mean that we are obedient. Humble submission and willing obedience to governing authorities should be marks by which a Christian is recognized. And yes, there are instances where the government could potentially require a citizen to violate God's law to violate God's principles. But I believe that those are exceptions, at least in this country. Those are exceptions and not the rule. There are places in the world where you're not allowed to evangelize. You're not allowed to tell people about Jesus. We're hearing about this in the news all the time. But here in America, you can go to jail for reading your Bible, for praying, for tell someone about Jesus. Kids, you are not forbidden to bring from bringing your Bible to school. You can do that. You can start a Bible study in your school if you want. You have the freedom to do that. We need to focus on the vast majorities of ways that we can glorify with our obedience rather than the few exceptions where we might not be allowed. But I want to be clear, if in fact the government ever does require citizen to disobey God, not just what you feel God might be telling you, God told me to rob that liquor store. No, he didn't. That wasn't him. But what we can see in his word, God will never uh, contradict his character And his character is clearly displayed in God's word. And if the government requires us to disobey what he has clearly said in his word, then God's law does supersede the laws of men. And there may well be consequences for disobedience. We can see that, like I said, in many other places in the world. The Christian displays their reasonableness through their loyalty And also in their courtesy. That's our second word. Loyalty and courtesy. 
Remind them, Paul says, Timothy, uh, to what's his name there? Titus. Eh, whatever. He says to remind them in verse 2 to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. Courtesy is showing one's gentleness in one's attitude and behavior as opposed to harshness. I used to say that nowhere in the Bible does it say to be nice. But that's wrong. It's right here. Speak evil of no one. Right? Some translations use the word slander. The Greek word is the same. Do you remember what it is? We talked about it a few weeks ago. Diabolos. Know that word, don't you? Devil. Same word. It means to not say bad things about a person when they're not around. Or say something that you wouldn't say when a person is standing in front of you. To cut people down. You think your town manager is a jerk? Would you say so if it wasn't here? What about your president? What about your teacher? What about your coach? What about your boss? We all know he's an idiot. You don't need to tell us. We can't act in one way in front of people and another people another way when they're not here. Amen. It's hard. <laughs> it's simple. It's simple. That doesn't make it easy. We must avoid quarreling, especially during a servant, Dave. (laughs) We must not be contentious, but be peaceable, not looking for a fight. We must be gentle, meaning to be gracious and patient with people and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. Again, to be gentle instead of harsh. This idea leads us to the third word. We talk about loyalty and about courtesy, and a third word is humility. It takes humility to be gentle with people instead of harsh. This is the definition of the Bible word meekness. You've heard that word before? Jesus said, blessed are the meek. What does it mean to be meek? It means to be mousy and quiet and scared, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. Not at all. Meekness is power under control. Uh, In my house, we talk a lot about uh, comic book superheroes, right? (laughs) And I believe most of you would be familiar with Superman, right? You've heard of him before? Tights and a cape. What Superman's greatest power is, is meekness. Because he can turn back time by flying around the planet in the wrong direction, according to the movies, right? He can, he can pick up all kinds of heavy things and, and all this stuff. Now, if you think about you have the power to crush steel in your hands, what power must you exercise to pick up a teaspoon? and not squish it, right? To push open a door, 
and not push the whole building over. This is what meekness is. That's Superman's greatest powers, meekness. That wasn't in the notes. That was a freebie. Now, just because we know the truth, think about this when we think about meekness in our own lives. Just because we know the truth doesn't mean that we should beat people over the head with it. We can't beat people with the truth until they relent. That is not a function of meekness. That is a function of pride. I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. Will you just give in and agree with me? Doesn't this sound like the church sometimes? It does, but it should not sound like us. That is far from the example set by the Lord Jesus. The Christian, like the Lord Jesus, is to be marked by humility. Jesus is a better example of meekness than Superman. Superman might be able to jump over a tall building in a single bound, but the Lord Jesus built the molecules that make the building. The one who invented matter itself. That's the example we are to follow his meekness, and his humility. Christianity being saved by faith in Jesus Christ should never make a person proud. The gospel tells us exactly the opposite. We're not proud. We should be grateful for God's grace because we don't deserve salvation or forgiveness. And our gratitude should allow our behavior in humility to be tempered and directed by God's word. A Christian should be marked by loyalty and courtesy, humility, and finally our fourth word is community. Letting our reasonableness be known to all. Philippians 4 doesn't say be reasonable. It's let your reasonableness be known to all, to be known for your reasonableness. Exercising good works showing our loyalty, acting in courtesy and humility. It's not done in a secret or in a vacuum. And this is not about goodness in private, but goodness expressed in community. A.D. Litvin wrote, A Christian citizen should be an influence for good in the community in every way, demonstrating the loveliness of Christ to all through courteous and gracious behavior. This is precisely the lifestyle that results from understanding God's grace. Many people in the church, and I suspect some of you here today, have struggled with the idea of evangelism. How to go about telling people about Jesus. You know that Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, right? But he just don't know how to go about it. 
And I would say to you that there is a time and place to say the words to people, to tell them of their sin and of God's love and grace in sending Jesus to pay the penalty for their sin, and that by believing in him, their sins will be forgiven, that they'll be given a new heart, a new life, and a new family. But in order to get to that place, most of us will have to act like decent people first. And that's exactly what we're talking about here. How we interact with the world should be a gospel-motivated reasonableness. We're talking about outreach through decency. The gospel revealed in our conduct. And this isn't just decency uh, expressed towards people we know and like. This is towards all people, even those that are the most hostile towards us, towards the Lord, and towards his church. This sounds to me very much like evangelism through rule number one. You all know rule number one, don't you? Don't be a jerk. Rule number one. I think I reposted a quote on Facebook last week or the week before, I don't remember, that says, sometimes the best form of evangelism is telling people you are a Christian and not being a total jerk. That's biblical. That's exactly what we're talking about here. This is the inseparable link between belief and behavior of proclamation and practice being known for loyalty, courtesy, humility, and community, remembering who we are and who we represent, and remembering where we came from, what we were before Christ saved us, and what he has transformed us into. We'll talk about that more in the verses to come. This is really important, folks. Don't be a jerk, not just because you want people to like you, but because we represent Christ in this world. We are his ambassadors. Okay? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your great love for us. We are thankful for the example that you sent in Jesus Christ. We're thankful for your saving grace that while we were your enemies, you loved us and sent your son to die in our place on the cross, taking the penalty for our sin upon himself that we would be forgiven and adopted as your sons and daughters and made forever citizens in your kingdom. Lord, may our gratitude to you be reflected in our behavior towards others, not seeing people that don't know you or don't even like you as enemies, but as victims that have just not experienced your saving grace yet. Lord, I pray that your people, not just gathered here today in this place, 
this morning, but your entire church would be known for our reasonableness. That we would display the character of Christ in our lives so that people would see your love at work. Not judgment, not hypocrisy, not slander or hatred, but love. For we love you. I pray that you would help us to prove it by the power of your Holy Spirit, by changing the way that we live. We love you, Lord, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.